sacrificial lamb today. And on a day that we celebrate the gift of Jesus, He is most certainly today the beautiful rose of Sharon. And so, Father, we just want to say thank you today for this beautiful gift. We ask God that you would help each one of us to give our last full measure of worship in this place today as if this was our last day on this earth. Help us, Lord, to pour out our worship on you, God, much like these wonderful ladies we're going to talk about today came looking for you in that tomb to pour out that last full measure of worship on you, God. So we just ask that today and pray your blessing upon each one that's here. And Father, we'll be sure to praise you and honor you for all things. For it's in Jesus' matchless and marvelous and risen name we say today. Amen. 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 Give him another hand clap of praise as you take your seat. We're going to dismiss our young people right now, which will free up a few seats for you guys. We're going to dismiss them right now, their teachers, and praying for them. We love all of our young people. Once they're out of the building, we just encourage you, those of you that are having to sit in the very back there, if you'd like to come up around, find your place a little bit closer, or a little softer seat, please, uh, by all means, do so. Man, it's good to have you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible want to turn with us today, we're going to be in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 1 through 8. <clears throat> While you're finding that, I want to back up and read this to you today. We find in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 23 through 25. I love here what the writer says, what he's encouraging us to do, and that is to worship God, to declare His glory among the nations, for marvelous is His deeds. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. Amen? The last full measure of worship. We're going to be looking today at Easter from a whole different set of eyes. We're not going to be looking at it through Jesus' eyes today. We're not going to be looking at it through the two thieves on the cross. We're not going to be looking at their, through their eyes. We're not going to be looking at it through the guards that stood on either side of Jesus' tomb that were placed there, right, at the request of the Jewish leaders that nobody would steal his body, right, and proclaim that he is risen, as he said, right. They thought that that would be something that would be devastating. So they placed these guards there. We're not going to look at it through their eyes. We're not going to look at it through Peter and John's eyes who ran to the tomb later. There's a lot of folks we can look at today, but there are three lovely ladies that I want us to focus on today and what they saw on Easter morning. Before we do, I want to define to you what worship is. Worship is simply to honor or respect or reverence or love and admire someone more than yourself or anyone or anything, to love someone or something to the point that you lay your life down for theirs. That's true worship. When you love someone more than you love yourself or any other thing in this world, and you're willing to pour all your love, Sister Lynn, all, your, all of your, I guess, all of your possessions, everything that you are, everything that you're going to be, everything that you hold, you're willing to lay all that down for somebody else. That's true worship. When you, can't do, when you can't go anywhere or do anything without thinking about them, without being around them, right? Those of you that have boyfriends and girlfriends, those of you that have been married like me for quite some time, you can still remember how it was. And hopefully it still is. Amen? It still is. Amen? You know how it was when you couldn't do without them, right? If you were like me, I can remember times that I would just drop Christy off at her mom and daddy's house because they were strict back then, right? I had to have her. Now listen to this, y'all. I had to have her home by 11 o'clock. Not a minute after, not two minutes after, 11. It's literally, her mother would, we'd have a sermon if I got there any time after. That don't happen today in a lot of cases, but we had to do that. So I would drop her off at her house, and I can remember times calling her once I got home. See, we didn't have cell phones back then. Right? I couldn't just call her on the way home. I had to wait till I got home. Now, to me, a cell phone looked something like this. You had the thing hanging on the wall. Y'all remember that? That's a telephone. And you picked it up, and you dialed it. Now, look, we were advanced. We had push button. We didn't have that little rotary where you went. Heaven forbid you had somebody that had a telephone number like 
nine, six. You'd have been there for 30 minutes going. And it'd go around and it'd come back, tick, 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 right? By the time you got the last number, you said, I'll oh, forget it. Or it was busy, and that's even worse. But you take that thing off the wall, and here, this was, this was mobile phones at its best. I was the one that was mobile. So I would take it off the wall, and we had a long cord about this long. And I'd drag that thing from the kitchen into my room and shut the door. And I would talk to Christy, right? That was a mobile phone in my time. But I remember that. I would just drop her off. Now, I hadn't been with her for about three or four hours. But I, had, but I had to talk to her again just as soon as I got home as if I'd never seen her. And I can remember my dad coming back in at about, you know, I don't know, 30 minutes after we were talking. And he'd say, son, you need to get off the phone and go to bed. For goodness sakes, you just left her. Right? And you know what I was thinking. But, Dad, you hadn't seen her. Obviously. You haven't seen what I've seen. Right? You just can't leave something like that alone. Right? So that's what, you know, similar but not quite what worship would be like, right? It's where you just can't live without somebody two seconds, one second, three seconds. You just got to be around them. You just got to hear them. You just got to see them. You just got to touch them. You just got to smell them, right? All those things. You know how it is. It's just what you got to do. So that's kind of what we're seeing here with these ladies here that we're going to see in a minute. And so true worship is just that, where you just can't do without anything else. You simply honor, respect, reverence, love, or admire something to the point that you're willing to lay your life down literally for somebody else's. The story picks up here. If you want to go with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. I want to say this while you're going there. Today our worship is predicated or dictated by our circumstances rather than our adoration and love. Amen? We worship when we are blessed, when we receive things and everything is going well. We worship when we are not too busy. We worship when we are prompted to do so. And we worship when we have no other options. Amen? Is that right? I think a lot of times we find ourselves worshiping God, worshiping Christ, because we're either prompted to by our mamas and daddies. If you had mamas and daddies like Christy's mom and daddy, and my mom and daddy, we didn't go to church when I was little. All, he's just set for every now and then. But if you had Christian Joel's mom and daddy, you went to church every time the doors opened. You were prompted to do so, or they would give you something to prompt you that way. <laughs> right? Again, that's illegal today, but used to be you could do that. Right? So we only worship sometimes because we're prompted to do so. We do it sometimes when, when things are going good for us. It's easy to worship Jesus and seek Him and look after Him and go around Him and be around Him when things are going great, right? Or we're worshiping, right, because we receive some beautiful gift or something great goes on in our lives, so we'll take time most of the time every now and then just to look up and say, thank you, Lord, right? So you know what I'm saying. I think sometimes that's when we worship, but we don't truly worship all the time. We're not as hungry, I don't think, as these three ladies were, at least in the world today, and we'll take a look at it and show you what I mean. This is what the Bible says in Mark 16, 1 through 8. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. These three ladies. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? The reason they said that was, if you go back and read a couple of other different books there, Matthew's Gospel, Luke's Gospel, you'll see where Mary and Mary, specifically, followed Jesus' body to the tomb, and they saw where they laid him. So they knew exactly where Jesus was going to be, and they knew that this stone was rolled before the door. So on their way there, they were contemplating, who's going to move the stone that we could get to Jesus? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed, for you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. And then he invited them to come and see the place where Jesus laid. He then says to them, But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, northern Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem itself where Jesus was buried was southern Jerusalem. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for the Bible says they were afraid. They were alarmed. You can imagine how it was when they were going that way, thinking to see Jesus there, and now he wasn't there, right? He wasn't there. They had no idea where he had went. But they were on their way for, to pour out this last measure of worship on Christ. What I want to point out to you today, there are four points, Pastor Keith, if you're in here, that I want to point out today. They loved him so much. Mary and Mary and Salome loved him so much that they were willing to lay down their lives for him in this last, last measure of worship. And they loved him so much that they risked their lives to worship him one more time. They risked their lives to worship Him one more time. And you say, well, Pastor, how can that be risking their lives when all they were doing was getting up in the morning going to walk to the tomb? Remember, guards were placed at the tomb to keep anybody from getting in the tomb for fear that somebody would steal Him, especially those that were followers of Him. Amen? And everybody knew that Mary and Mary and Salome were worshipers of Jesus. After all, Mary was His mother. And she was at the cross. Mary Magdalene was also at the cross, whom Jesus cast seven demons out according to Scripture. He had done marvelous things in her life. Salome here, we know she was a follower of Christ. Her husband was a follower of Christ. And so they knew that these three ladies loved Jesus. What do you think the chances of them guards letting them three ladies in there? Slim and none. And unless somebody's named Slim in here, right, they ain't there. Right, Slim wasn't even there. So it wasn't going to happen. So what would have happened is they were risking their lives to go there that day to get into that tomb no matter what it took. They loved Jesus because He first loved them. Amen? Jesus took time to speak to these folks when nobody else would. Jesus loved His mother. He loved Mary Magdalene. He loved Salome. Right? He'd done wonderful things for them. He loved them. He built a relationship with them. They had a relationship with Him. They, they, they had received wonderful things from Jesus. They saw Him as the Son of God, as the Messiah, right? And it just wasn't about, Brother Ron, the things that He could do for Him. It's who He was, right? It's who He was. And you can see that because they really thought He was dead now, right? They thought, oh my goodness, He died and, and he's, maybe He's not going to rise again. I don't, you don't know what was going through their minds, but here they were approaching that throne, thinking to themselves, or, or that tomb rather, thinking to themselves, we're going to walk up on this body, but He's our Lord. And we're going to go no matter what. True love. They got up early in the morning. Now I want you to understand, none of His disciples, or His apostles rather, got up early in the morning and went with them. Nobody else went with them but these three ladies. They went that day to pour out these spices upon Jesus' body. They went that day to anoint Him and to clean Him up, to prepare His body properly for that burial. For Jesus was taken off the cross in haste because Passover was coming. It was ending, and the next morning was going to come. And under Jewish law, that couldn't happen. So they just snatched him off the cross really quick, ran him down in the grave, did what they could do, and threw him in there. Right? And that's just not the way to do things, especially not the Son of God. So they were going to go take all they had. Now listen, spices today to you and I are no big deal. All of us have them in our cupboards, right? If you're like me, i got stuff probably been in there since 1997 when, when we built the house. we still got spices in there. Probably you can't even get out of them. you got to beat it to get it loose to get it out. we got so many spices, and y'all all got the same thing probably. But back in Jesus' time, things like sugar and cinnamon and things that you and I take for granted, myrrh, frankincense, this stuff that we hear about, it wasn't something that the common person could get a hold of very easily. Right? It, was, it took a lot, of, a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort right, to buy these things and to have them in their house. It was precious. This was the 401k of the day. Amen? That's what it was. I mean, if you had this stuff, it was expensive, it was valuable, and you could use it to barter with. You could use it to do a lot of things with. So these three ladies get together and they take, I can just see them now taking this, these particular spices and they got it, what do you got and what do you got and what do you got? I don't know, let's get all that together. We're going to take it down here and we're going to love on our Savior one more time. Amen? 
They had a passion and a hunger to lay their lives down for Jesus. No matter what it takes, no matter what it takes, they were willing to see that through. I tell you, really in the world we live today, raise your hand if you think there's that same kind of passion going on in the lives and hearts of people today across this country. It may be in some people, it may be in a few people, it may be part-time in people, but the desire that you see here with these ladies was unconditional love. This is the love that the Bible speaks of, and it calls it agape love. It means unconditional, without strings attached. See, Jesus, presumably, was laying in the tomb dead. He couldn't give anything back to them. So they didn't go there that day to worship Him in hopes that He would answer their prayer. They didn't go there that day to worship Him in hopes that He would bless their families. He didn't go there that day to worship, they didn't go there that day rather to worship Him that He might deliver them from whatever it is that was bothering them in their lives. They didn't go there for those reasons. They went there simply to love on Jesus. Amen? With no strings attached. They were willing to give that last full measure of worship. If it cost them their life, what better way to go in their minds than to worship in our Savior? He gave His life for us, so we're willing to give our life for Him. Amen, somebody? Amen. Huh? That's how they saw it. Jesus was not ashamed of us. Jesus stood up for us. He put Himself in harm's way for us. So the least we could do, these ladies are thinking, I can see in their minds, is stand in the gap for Jesus. And isn't that what he taught them? He said, no greater love has any man than this. What? That a man would lay his life down for his friends. Amen? That's what he said. So here are these ladies. Can you see them just approaching the, the, the tomb that day with all that they had in their hands, all their livelihood, and all they could think of was Jesus. Now you've got to understand, Jesus was beaten to the point that He was not recognizable. You couldn't even... It, I'm, it's been said that historians have said that Mary, His mother, His mother now, now mamas can, could, could, can pick children out in a crowd of folks at two miles away, right? You guys just know. But historians say that He was beaten so badly that not even Mary could have recognized Him. All He looked like was just a raw piece of meat beaten and tore all over. Amen? Amen? So here they were going to see Him and not even sure if they could recognize if it was Him. They had no idea. They had no idea. But they were going that day because they loved Him. Not sure of what they would see, but they were determined. They loved Jesus so much that they emptied out on Him, as I said to you, all that they had and all that they were. They were willing to pour out themselves on Jesus. Open up and pour everything out to Him. How many of you are like me? So many times I find myself coming to church and my worship is not 100%. I'll give Jesus 25%, 50%, sometimes 75%. On Sundays after I've rested on Saturday, I might be able to give Him 80%, but I just can't give Him all, right? Because... Most of the time, now I didn't do this, y'all. Not now, I did it in the past, okay? So don't kick me out yet. But I couldn't give you my all because I spent most of my time in the club Saturday night, right? So when I got to church, I didn't have a lot of energy left because I gave most of it out on the dance floor and the karaoke machine. Is that right? I mean, I poured my worship out <laughs> at T.J. Boone's. I poured my words, what is it? T.W. Boone's. Somebody's Boone. <laughs> That's free advertisement. They're going to have to pay me. Right? Or sometimes I couldn't, I can't pour my worship out, right? Because I spent all my time shopping or playing golf or cutting grass or whatever it was. You know how it goes. Well, Lord, I'm not going to worship you today because, you know, that grass done got up to my knees. And if I don't cut it now, I'm going to have to bail it. And Lord, you know you said that how many of you, if your ox went in the ditch on the Sabbath, that you wouldn't get it out? Is that right? That's what we start telling God. 
So we do things, and when we get to church, we can't, we can't give Him all of our worship. Or sometimes we just don't even go, right? Because, again, we just don't have the energy to do so. I'm tired, i got to rest, or whatever it may be. These ladies here, if you'll go back and read, they stayed with Jesus through this entire event. You talk about stressed, and you talk about tired, and you talk about having low energy, and, and just disappointment, and beat down. They walked with Jesus. Can you, you can just see Him following Him all the way from Gethsemane over to be judged by the Jewish leaders, later to be sent over to Pilate, stood there and listened to all that as far as they could go in. And then when Jesus was condemned to death, they marched with Him while they took Him down there and beat Him. And they had to sit there and watch that. How agonizing must have that been? That takes the life out of you. It takes the energy out of you. How many of you here today that face certain difficulties in your life with your families or your friends, right? You mourn for them, you hurt for them, it bothers you. You know how bad that just drains the life out of you? Imagine watching somebody beat your child and you can't do nothing about it. Now before y'all say, I wish they'd try. Because <laughs> I know somebody's going to say it when they leave. I, the preacher said that, but I'd have been on somebody's head. Well, I can assure you, they wanted to do the same thing. But they wouldn't let them get to them. And Mary also knew what was, had to happen, right? Remember, she pondered things in her heart. But there she sat, these ladies, and watched them as they just cut him and beat him and made fun of him and got him to the point where he was so weak that it didn't look like he was going to be able to carry that cross. And then they watched him as they placed that cross on his back and they walked with him down the Via Della Rosa, which is the road that he had to carry that cross through that would lead him to Golgotha. I and Pastor Keith have walked on that road. I can assure you that I am a full-grown man and I was fully healthy even though I don't look like it. And I was walking up that road and it is unstable and it is tight and narrow, and it is kind of uphill, downhill, and we were struggling to walk down this road, and we hadn't been beaten, and we weren't carrying a cross. And I'm not talking about walk from this stage to that back door. Oh, no, no. He had to carry it across the entire length of the city of David. It was, it was almost down here by the Lion's Gate, which if you go out the Lion's Gate and you cross over the valley, Gethsemane is right there. So they carried him from Gethsemane into the lion's gate over to be judged. And then he had to march through the Via Della Rosa, the, the width rather, of that city. And then cross over a major road that led to Jericho and march himself around and up on Golgotha. And these ladies had to witness him doing that and him falling several times under the weight of the sin of the world and the weight of that cross. How stressed are we? Huh? How stressed are we? We're not really that stressed, are we? Think about these ladies seeing all that. Now, they've been up all night. They've been going all day. And here now, they find themselves on the next day marching themselves toward the tomb. You ever say to yourself, I don't think I can make it another hour if I don't get some sleep. These ladies were sleep-deprived. They ain't enough coffee in three counties that kept them awake. They were tired. They were wore down. They were beat. They just emotionally, they were a wreck. But they were, they were determined to give this last full measure of worship to Jesus because he had given all to them. And they were willing to pour themselves what little bit of life and what little bit of energy and what little bit of wealth and worth that they had, they were willing to lay it all on Jesus that day. Amen? I got to believe you're the same way or you wouldn't be here today. Amen? You came today because you're willing to pour yourself out on Jesus to simply say thank you. Is that right? See, let me just let you in on something. We can't thank Him enough. You and I can't start today and until He returns, thank Him enough. For what he's done. Forget about all the blessings he gave you in children and grandchildren. Forget about your jobs and your homes. Forget about your health. 
Forget about your clothes. Forget about your cars. Forget about all the things that you and I hold valuable in this life. Even if He didn't give us any of those things, we still can't thank Him enough because He gave us the opportunity to have eternal life and not have to face eternal damnation. See, it's not about what He can do. It's about what He's already done. Amen? See what I'm saying? We got it wrong in churches today. We're up talking, telling people, you ought to praise God for what He's done. You should. But we ought to praise God for what He's already done. Amen? It's what He's already done. He willingly laid His life down for us. And these ladies recognized it. So they loved Him so much that they were willing to empty out all of themselves on Him. They loved Him so much that they refused to give up on Jesus. They refused to give up on Jesus. Can I get a witness? Amen. Don't raise your hand, but how many of us in here today have ever given up on Jesus? Starts out something like this. God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Or it says something like this. God, where are you at? It starts that way. We say, you've just given up on me. And so what do we do? We give up on Jesus. Is that right? Oh, preacher, I ain't never give up on Jesus. Really? Think about it. I have. I've given up on him, I'm ashamed to say, sometimes in my life. When something went wrong in my life, I can remember driving down Old Shoals Junction Road. For those of you who don't know where that's at, it's in Greenwood County. It's across from Clinton and Lumber Company. Right? I remember driving down that road, and my son had just been born, and he had some complications. He has something called Poland's disease. And I can't get real technical with it, it's just when stuff don't grow together like it's supposed to. Let's just say it that way. I'm from Ware Shoals. And so he had a spot on his chest where his, his bones and his, and his cartilage, all that didn't grow properly. And so when he took his first breath and I saw it, his chest caved completely in. And it just shocked me. And Christy too. And they ran him out of there like he had the plague. And I thought, my God, what happened? Where are they going? And Christy was panicking. I was panicking. The doctor said, it's going to be all right. We're just going to need to take a look at him. And then they come back in there and they begin to tell us, they think that, you know, he's got this problem, this problem, this problem. And we've put our heads together and it's no big deal. We think we can just take a bone out of his leg. Now, now he started out with it's no big deal. Now, my first child, he ain't a day old yet. And we're talking about taking a bone out of his leg and putting it in his chest. But that's no big deal. <laughs> I guess to some people it's not, but to me it was a real big deal. And I was just thinking, my gosh, you know, and I'm going to tell you what I did. I remember leaving that day and Christy was in the room and she was settled and they had Nate in the, I guess the neonatal care unit, wherever he was at. And I remember driving down Old Shoals Junction Road and I can remember having a conversation with God. See, I was saved. And at this time, I was doing a lot of work in the church. I wasn't pastoring yet. I hadn't been called to preach yet. Well, I've been called since birth, amen? amen. But I hadn't accepted the call yet. So I'm driving down the road, and I had a conversation with God, and it wasn't a pleasant conversation. I remember saying to him, God, I have served you, and I have given my life to you. My wife has served you all of her life. We try to live the right way, and... Here's how we are rewarded for it. I can remember arguing with God saying, why have you allowed this to happen to my son? We didn't know what was going to happen to him. We didn't know if it was life-threatening. We had no idea at this point. And all I could think of was, Lord, you have given up on me, right? You have let this happen. And I can assure you at that moment, it's probably the only time in my lifetime since I've been saved that I felt like just quitting on God. I felt like giving up on God because I thought he had given up on me. And the words that I heard next, this is the truest statement I've ever spoken before in my life. This is exactly what I heard God speak into my spirit. I wanted you to understand how I felt when my son was afflicted for you. Praise God. I'll never forget it, and I can take you back to the place. And I said, Father, forgive me. Amen? Amen? And then he said, it's going to be all right, Mark. And it is today. Amen. He's out there chasing bad guys today. Yeah. 
See, they refused to give up on Jesus. When times got a little bit tough and things got a little bit rough and they felt like it was the end and there was no hope. And what's the point in it? Is that right? You ever said that? The, more, the harder I pray, the worse things get. Why, what's the point in worshiping this Jesus that that fat preacher down there talks about all the time? I don't understand why I got to go to church and waste my time on this Jesus that ain't never done anything for me. Is that right? Don't give up on Jesus. He hadn't given up on you. Amen. He ain't giving up on you. First thing we need to make sure of is we've got a life right with Him because that gets you in a place with Him to receive everything that the Bible speaks of. Once you give your heart to Him, now all the blessings of God are unlocked to you and I. Right? The Bible says, now we know that He does not hear prayers of sinners, right? except it be the prayer of repentance. I believe that's John 9.31. Some of y'all probably need to hear that. You might want to write it down, I'm sure. But he says, but worshipers, those that are saved, them, the Bible says, he hears. So we got to get ourselves in the right place first, right? Maybe, maybe we're not saved and we think we are, and we're not, our prayers aren't going any further than the roof. Right? Make sure you're ready. Make sure you know Jesus, that you can unlock those blessings of heaven. Sometimes maybe you are saved, but maybe it's just God wanting to see what, what you're going to do with certain situations. Right? Maybe God is going to take you to the valley to get you to the hilltop. Right? He's, got to, he's got to purify us to get us to where we're going to go. He never promised life would be easy, but He promised He'd be with us. Amen? Amen? So these young ladies weren't willing to give up on Jesus. They loved Him so much that they were willing to give this last full measure of worship and never give up on Him. I said it earlier, but let me tell you why they didn't want to give up on Jesus. You know why their desire was not to give up on Him? You know why they never gave up on Him? Because He never gave up on them. When everybody else said, what are you doing? These are sinners. This woman is demon-possessed. And you claim to be a priest, the Son of God. And here you are, hanging around this woman. Well, of course He is. Because Jesus came to set the captive free. Amen? He came to be with her. He came to be with us. Jesus never gave up on us. Amen? So we shouldn't give up on Him. They loved Him so much that they were willing to never give up on Jesus. Lastly, they loved Him so much that they just had a hunger to see Him and touch Him and be around Him one more time. If you've ever been touched by somebody that loves you, your next desire is to be touched by them again. Is that right? Have you ever had somebody in your family that has dated somebody that you weren't real fond of? And your prayer was, break them up. Their prayer was, Lord, don't ever let him leave me. Don't ever let her leave you, right? There's this tug of war going in the prayer rooms. <laughs> they have a falling out. And they don't see each other and they're broke up. You know how excited you were going, yes, thank you, God. <laughs> and then you heard them say, I'm never going back around that person again. And you know what you said next, right? That's right. Don't. Find you somebody else. You don't need that person, right? And what do they do? Right back in there. And you're back in the prayer room. Disappointed. And they're back in love. The reason they keep going back to that person is there was an attraction. There was love there. Even though we don't see it, we're like, what? How can you love somebody like that? Right? But they see something you and I don't see. There's true love. Somebody once said it this way. I think it was my dad or my mom won. They said, son, you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your children's lovers. True, we can't decide who they marry, right? We can't decide who they date. We can't decide those things, right? It's just it's what they do, right? It's what we did. There was love. They've been touched. I tell people all the time when I'm at home-going services, funeral services, I always remind the family the reason why that you're feeling what you're feeling, the reason that you feel that, that sorrow and that pain and that loneliness and that, 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 that you know, it just sets on you, is because you've been loved. Amen? If you've never been loved, then you're never going to feel those things. 
Right? If you've truly been loved, you're going to feel that hunger and that desire and you're going to feel that remorse and that loss. Amen? These ladies here knew what it was to be loved by Jesus and they had a hunger to just be with Him again. Is that right? Just got to be with Him again. I just got to get back around Him. I, I just need to see Him. Can't you hear people saying, but, but Mary, He's dead. We've seen Him. He's, he said it is finished and then He dropped His head. We watched Him as He took Him off the cross. It's over. He's dead. Why do you want to waste your time and waste your money and all these things that you're doing to go see Jesus again and pour all that, right? Can't you just hear Judas if he was still living? He wasn't. But can't you imagine it? You could hear him say the same thing he said to Mary when she was anointing Jesus' feet. Why are you wasting that? Right? Why? The truth is, they loved him so much that they just had to touch him one more time. They just had to hug him one more time. They just had to be around him. You ever love somebody that much that that's what you wanted to do? I'd give anything. I've heard my wife say, give anything to be around my dad one more time. I've heard people say, I would give anything to just have that person right here one more time. I've heard them say that many times. Why? Because you loved them. Because they gave so much. Right? And because you had a desire to be with them. These ladies went there that day, not on a casual walk. These ladies went that way with heavy hearts. There, were, there was great remorse and there was great hunger and great love that drove them to Jesus' tomb. They wanted to give one last full measure of worship no matter what it took. No matter what it took. Today in this country and around the world, we celebrate the life of Jesus. And all of us really need to hear the message of the cross and the message of the tomb and the message of these three ladies. We need to be pouring our hearts out to Jesus and loving on Him because He first loved us Amen. no matter what it takes. Amen. No matter what it takes. Look, they had families probably they needed to take care of that morning, Brother Eddie, but nothing took precedence over Jesus. They were tired and needed rest. Maybe we'll just take a nap and we'll go see Jesus later on. Nothing took precedence over Jesus. Nothing. They probably had houses to clean. Right? They probably had things they needed to do around the house. But nothing took precedence over Jesus. Amen? They probably had all kinds of things that they could have thought of in their minds that they needed to do rather than go and worship Jesus but nothing took precedence over Jesus. Nothing did. I want to remind you, His apostles and most of His disciples, what did we find them doing? Forsaking all and following Jesus. Right? Forsaking all and following Jesus. To us today, that's pretty radical, ain't it? Now I'm not saying all of us need to get rid of everything and follow Jesus. But spiritually speaking, we do. Right? We've got, we got to remove some of the things that are in our lives that hinder us from truly worshiping Jesus. Right? Our children, moms, it's going to hurt, and dads, but moms, don't throw nothing at me. Our babies are not more important than Jesus. But we didn't get no amens there. I'm going to say it again. Our children are not more important than Jesus. Husbands, that beautiful wife of yours is not more important than Jesus. Wives, that stud sitting beside you. He's not more important than Jesus. Our jobs are not more important than Jesus. Our bank accounts aren't more important than Jesus. That corn on your left toe is not more important than Jesus. I know some folks stayed out of church because they had corns on their toes. Nothing is more important than Jesus. This morning, these ladies gathered together and that's exactly what they said. I don't care if Peter ain't going. I don't care if John ain't going. I don't care if James ain't going. I don't care if any of those apostles ain't going. I don't care if anybody ain't going. 
Right? You could hear them proclaiming all through that valley that morning. As for me and as for us in our house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? We're going to find our way to Jesus no matter what happens. Amen? Listen, there ain't enough demons in hell could have stopped them three women from getting to Jesus. Right? Y'all know the statement, hell has no fury than that of a woman. Amen? Let them just try to stop them three ladies. One woman's hard enough to handle. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? Y'all remember Big Mama's house? Y'all remember that old boy? They told him, your job is to go make sure and get a hold of Big Mama. He said, he went that way and he turned back around and looked at him. He said, hey, I'm going to need some help. Big Mama's a whole lot of women. Y'all remember that? Huh? One woman's toughing up, but you put three of them together. Uh-uh. They were going to get to Jesus, and there wasn't nobody going to stop them. It was going to happen because they loved him. Amen? And they were going to get there. Can you see the worship these ladies had? Can you see the determination and the love that they had for Jesus? Man. And can you... Now look, I'm going to say something to you that some of you may not know. If you read just a little bit further, you're going to see where Jesus recognizes their obedience. You're going to see where Jesus, He always honors obedience. He always honors hunger and thirst. He'll always honor somebody that's seeking Him and honoring Him. The first person that Jesus revealed Himself to on this earth after the resurrection was not Peter, and it was not John, and it was not James. It was not any of those three apostles that he called first. It wasn't any of them. It wasn't anybody else. It wasn't the high priest. It wasn't Pilate. It wasn't anybody else in Jerusalem. Nobody. Jesus appeared unto Mary Magdalene. The one I told you that he cast seven demons out of. He approached her first. That she would be the first one to see the promise of the resurrection. Amen? God honors faithfulness. Amen? God honors faithfulness. Is that right? She got to see Jesus alive. Amen? She got to see him not in that beaten, tore up body, but she got to see him as he stood in his glory right there in front of her. Had conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he stood in front of her and said, Now, you go tell him. Amen? Huh? Can you imagine? I got to believe she had her chest poked out, right? Can't you see her running down there? Boys, let me tell y'all something I just saw. And what I have, I have experienced. Now, y'all think y'all all that in a bag of chips, right? Because y'all was called first. Y'all been rubbing that in our nose since the beginning, right? Well, I sat closest to him at the Lord's Supper. Can't you just hear him? Huh? Can't you hear John say, well, I laid my head on his bosom. <laughs> but she got to say, big deal. I got to see him when he was dead, and now he's alive. Amen? He's alive. He's alive. It caused old Peter and John to get a little excited, didn't it? When she went back and told them that, them two old boys started sprinting toward the tomb, racing each other to the tomb. To see, A, is she crazy? B, is he really not there? And C, is he alive? Is that right? Now, I want y'all to understand. <laughs> Remember, she said to tell him, I'll be in Galilee. And them two old boys went to the tomb. They didn't say they were smart, but that's where they went. <laughs> didn't he just tell her, tell him I'm going to Galilee? I guess they just had to go. You know how we are. We're going to go look first, and then if that's true, then maybe we'll go to Galilee, I guess. True, full, true measure of worship. Today, we're going to close in a worship song that I just dearly love. And this is our opportunity today. You came here all the way today, not to see me, right? Although my wife and my mama and God think I am all that in a bag of chips. Right? I had to check Garfield. been 30 years we've been together. But you didn't come here to see me. You didn't come here for that nice fresh cup of coffee that might have been too strong or too weak. I don't know which one it was for you. You know, you didn't come here just to show off your Easter best, right, all those things. 
you really came here today to worship Jesus. Didn't we come today to see if he really is risen? Sure he is. Amen? He is. I got a, I got a picture. I don't know if this is, I'm going to really make some folks nervous right now in the sound room because I'm going to put them on the spot because I didn't do this earlier. But I want to show you all something, if I can, if you can give me just a second. Um, is Pastor Keith back there? And Brother, I'm going to send this to, to uh, your cell phone, Brother Keith, and see if you can send that and put this on the overhead for us. <clears throat> I wish y'all could see the sound room. <laughs> Panic time, but those guys are awesome. They're awesome. I want to show you something because you came today to worship a risen Savior and a risen King. Right? You came today believing that the tomb is empty and that Jesus is not there, as the Scripture says, as He said. And that He now is in heaven with His Father, awaiting on the return of His bride, which is all of us that are saved, that know Jesus as your Savior. Right, The church, the bride, all God's children around the world that have accepted Him as Savior are part of the bride. The Bible says here in Matthew 5 and 6 while they're finding this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled or satisfied. Right? We came today to be satisfied in the presence of Jesus. We came to hunger and thirst for Him, right? And ask for a greater outpouring of Him in our lives this coming year. I want to say this to you before they show you this picture. We're wanting to give more to Jesus and we wanted more of Him in our lives this coming year. In order to do that, we got to give Him more. More than just Easter Sunday, more than just next Sunday, more than just Wednesday, Pastor. We got to give it to Him all, 100%. Sell out to Him, right? Rather than scheduling Jesus around our busy schedules, we should schedule our busy schedules around Jesus. Can I say that again? See what I'm saying? Instead of us trying to squeeze Jesus into our busy schedules, we need to schedule our busy schedules into Jesus. I've always been admired by some people. I'm going to give you one lady's name today. There's a million of them. Betty Ashley. She was my second Sunday school teacher. My mother-in-law was my first one. I always said Betty was a God-called teacher. I still believe that with all my heart. The Bible says he calls some preachers, some teachers, and some evangelists. I was always, it always amazed me, but I was also very, I, I, I very much so honored Betty in this aspect. It doesn't, didn't matter what was going on. She was not going to put anything in front of Jesus. And if you stayed in her house, where's Sister Melissa? You didn't put anything in front of him either, did you? Right? Nothing. Right? As bad as she might have wanted to go to the mountains or go out west, and she loved out west and still does. Where's Tammy? Tammy agree with that? Where's Tammy? She, okay. She would agree with that. Right? She wouldn't put that in front of Jesus. I always admired that about her. As much as they wanted to go do things, they were going to do that not on Sunday or Wednesday. If you're going to do anything in Betty's house, it had to be done on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Wednesday and Sunday was set aside for God. And she's still that way today. If you're at Betty's house and it comes time for church, she's going to tell you she loves you. She's going to get up, tell you you're welcome to go with her. But if not, she's going to lock the door and you got to go. <laughs> Betty's going to church. Right? We want more from him, we got to give him more. You got that, Brother Keith? He's working on it. Amen. It's good to have you in the house of the Lord today. It really is. I hope you have a super day today. Thank you for taking time to come spend Easter with Gethsemane. It's just an honor to have you here. It's good to see everybody's faces. If this is your first time here, we'd love to have you back with us. Amen. What is that the one I sent you? There's two of them. That's good too. While you're finding that one, the, the fat guy standing in the door. 
This right here is the tomb of Jesus Christ. Keith and I walked in it. This is Joseph of Arimathea's tomb that they laid Jesus in. There's a gate that you can't see right here that won't let you get in there to it for fear that somebody would do something bad. But as you can see, he's not there. He's not there. His bones aren't there. Man, that, that camera made me look wide. <laughs> Y'all can't see in there because you can't see through me. But if you came here today wondering was Jesus there, I can assure you I've been there. That's me. And I looked in there. That, oh boy, don't I look better there. I looked in there, and I didn't see Jesus there. He wasn't there. No bones there, nothing, ain't nothing there. I can assure you, He is with His Father. Amen? They ain't found anything of Jesus since that time and now. They sure trying hard. But you're never going to find Him in a tomb. You'll find Him in the hearts and lives of His children. Amen? That's where He wants to be in your heart and in my heart, in your life and in my life. He doesn't belong in a tomb. He belongs in your heart. Amen? You remember what he said, know you not that your bodies are the temple of the living God. Amen? Amen. We're going we're gonna to worship today and, and then those of you that came in earlier, you, you received the cup here that has uh, a piece, of, a, a cracker on the top and, and the juice at the bottom we finish worshiping, we want you to hang around with us and partake in the Lord's Supper today. I just thought it'd be so good to do it on Easter. Is that right? I won't take just a second. You know, Jesus told him, he said, do this in remembrance of me often. Often. Right? It's not something that's going to fill you up, right? It's not chicken and macaroni and cheese. It's something to remind us of what took place that day. That Jesus was about to give the last full measure of love to all of us with his body and with his blood amen and he tells us that we are his children that we should do this in remembrance of him Is that all right amen if you ate